This morning, our gospel lesson is going to come from the gospel of Luke, from Luke chapter 6. We're going to be reading Luke 6, 21, 20 through 31. Luke 6, 20 through 31. And I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. And that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you receive your consolation. And woe to you who are hungry now, or full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. That is what your ancestors did to the false prophets. But I will say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for the ones who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for anyone who takes from you from your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. If anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the things that you were taught early when you're younger and learning to play baseball or softball or some sport like this. You, you, you've heard this said. You've taught this to your kids. When your kid is, is in the batter's box or trying to hit the ball, what is the best bit of advice you tell your kids when they're batting? They're supposed to keep their eye on the ball, right? Keep your eye on the ball. You can't hit the ball you don't see. you got to keep your eye on the ball. In life, that's pretty good advice for a lot of stuff, a lot of things, some active and not active. I, I, I don't play golf. Um, I'm not holy enough. It tests me too much. Uh, I subscribe to the Carl Malone theory. Carl Malone was the, um, was the former basketball player. He said, golf is a waste of good pasture land. And that's kind of how I feel about golf. But I was told a few times when I played golf, you got to keep your head down and keep your eye on the ball. If you're looking over there, your ball's going to go over there. You got to pay attention to what you're hitting or the ball's going to go crazy. Of course, for me, I would do all that stuff right. I would still keep my head down and my eye on the ball and the ball would still go over there. So that's why I don't play golf. When you're driving, you teach your children or when you're on the road, you're supposed to keep your eye on the road, aren't you? You're supposed to keep your eye on the road in front of you. And as Tim and my wife can attest to you, I do that all the time. I'm, I'm never a distracted driver, am I, Tim or Holly? That's why Tim doesn't ride with me. And my wife and I have decided it's better for our marriage if she drives. We've just reached that point in our life where like, we're both a lot happier if she's driving. So, uh, I mean, if you're going to scream every time I nearly kill you, it's not going to work. So you keep your eye on the ball, don't you? You watch where you're going. You aim. You see where you're going. You see where your destination is, and you follow through. Aiming, keeping your eye on the ball is very, very, very important, not just in baseball or sports or driving, but in life in general. Where are you going? 
I had a professor in my seminary, Dr. Bryan. You've heard me mention his name before. Dr. Bryan was one of my favorite professors in school. And sometimes, particularly if we were in a Wesleyan theology class, he would start off the class by asking a question. The question was this. What is the salvific goal? In other words, what's the goal of salvation? Why are we saved? What is the point of our salvation? Why do we do this whole Christianity thing? What's the point? What's the purpose of it? And sometimes, sometimes I think we live our life with the wrong understanding that we assume that the salvific goal, the purpose of salvation, is simply for us to get saved and to go to heaven. That, that's why we do this Christianity thing, right? That's why we're religious. That's why we have faith. We have faith so that when we die, we can go to heaven, right? Well, going to heaven's good, and we're going to get there in a second. But I don't believe, nor did Dr. Bryant, nor did Wesley, and I don't think the Bible did either, believe that going to heaven is the only purpose or point of our salvation. And I think I have a really reliable um, proof of the fact that going to heaven is not the only purpose of your salvation. You know what that proof is? You're still here. Like, when you got saved, God didn't just jerk you up. You're still here. You're still breathing his air. You're still eating his food. You're still living in his world. So I believe that the fact that since we're still here, means that there must be something to our faith more than just going to heaven. What is that then? What is that? What Wesley believed and what I believe and so many others believe, that the point of our salvation, our salvific goal, if you will, is for us to be remade or restored into the image of God that we had in before the fall, for us to be Restored. You've heard it said like this in the old hymn, Love Divine. Change from glory into glory. Take away our bent to sinning. That God's doing a work on our life. And that the point of our life, that the salvific goal is for us to walk closer to God every day. And ultimately, the point of our salvation is for us to, I think, keep the great commandments to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the great commission to go into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I believe that the salvific goal, the point of all of this, the reason why we're still here, the purpose of this life is for us to keep the great commandment, love God, love neighbor, and great commission, tell others about Jesus. Love God, love neighbors, point everyone to Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's the purpose of all this. That's what we're doing here on earth until we enter into that rest in heaven. To love God, love neighbor, tell others about Jesus. That's the goal, that's the purpose, that's the point of all this. And I believe that fully, with every fiber of my being. That's what we're about, that's what we're supposed to do. That's why we're here. But let me say something. The older I get, especially, 
the more I've come to understand that the way we live that out and the way we have the ability and the grace and the peace to live out those commandments is to keep our eye on, keep our eye on the ball and to know what we're aiming for and to know where we're going. I'll read to you a quote by my, my guy, C.S. Lewis. I'm actually going to read it to you because I want to get it right. Sometimes when I quote Lewis, I'm just shooting from the hip. Tim, Tim Keller said one time, one of his friends said, I can always tell when you, prepare, when you work harder on your sermon because when you prepare your sermon well, you quote a variety of sources. When you're just winging it, you quote nothing but C.S. Lewis. That's kind of how my sermons are. So I want to get this one right. This is from Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. Aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. Y'all, if there's no heaven, if there is no better life to come, if there's nothing that I'm shooting for, no, no shot of being at one with God and completing his love and in his purpose, then this whole loving your enemies business is for the birds. That's a terrible business model. Really. If there's nothing bigger or better or more holy than this, why am I going to love my enemies? Seriously. Why am I going to give of my cut when someone asks for my cloak and I give them my shirt? No, thank you. I'm not doing that. I paid for that coat and I'm gonna give it to you because you're too sorry to work. I don't think so. If there's nothing better or more faithful or more holy or more pure, if all I got is this world. If all I got is this moment, if all I got is what I see in front of me, there's no reason to love your enemies. That's going to get in your way. That's going to keep you from being number one. There's no reason to forgive those who curse you. Don't forgive them. Get them back. They curse you. They may do it again. You stop them. You put an end to it. Right? If there's no heaven, if there's no hope, if there's nothing better, if all I know for sure is this life here, I'm sure not going to go all the way to help you. Why would I? How does that help me? Right? That's a waste of time and energy. I'm going to live for me and for me alone if all I got is this world. And by the way, I think that's kind of affected us sometimes in the world, hasn't it? If we're going to be honest... I sometimes think we Christians have gotten a little bit too comfortable here. And we think that power on earth is what we're trying to accumulate. We think that wealth on earth that we're trying to accumulate. You know, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You can't take it with you. What are we aiming for? If we aim at heaven... 
we get earth thrown in. But if we aim only at the earth, if we focus only on the earth and what we have and what we gain here, then this whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And I'm going to do what's best for me, and I'm going to do what's good for me. But y'all, that's what happens whenever we realize there's something better. Then we can love, and then we can serve, and then we can give, because the reality is this. Those great commandments and that great commission, you know what we're going to do in eternity? We're going to love God fully, because the veil of separation has been dropped. And as it says in 1 Corinthians, when we get to eternity, then we will fully know, even as we have been fully known. And when we get to heaven, we're going to love our neighbor fully because then this veil of flesh and of sin has, is gone and there's no more separation between us and each other. We're going to love fully. And then we're going to tell others about Jesus because, y'all, I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. And we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So we got something better coming. This earth here, this moment here, this life here, y'all, it's but a foretaste. It's but a foretaste of what is to come. Every one of us here, y'all, every one of us here, you've had a moment. Maybe it's a singular moment. Maybe it's just one moment in your life. Maybe it's just one solitary moment. But you've had a moment in your life when you felt the power of God, haven't you? You've had a moment when you felt the hair on the back of your neck raised. You had a moment when you knew you were in the presence of Jehovah. Maybe it was at a walk to Emmaus or a Crescio. Maybe it was at a revival. Maybe it was taking communion. But you felt God's presence. That moment there is a foretaste of what we are going to experience for all of glory. Y'all, and when we keep our eyes on that, when we aim at that, then what is this life but a giving away of what God has given us? If I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun that one day I'm going to cross into, this life's just preseason, y'all. We haven't even kicked off yet. It's just preseason. This is just hors d'oeuvres. This is just those good cheese sticks. We ain't got the entree yet. The entree's coming. God's in the back making the entree. We just out there eating cheese sticks. And we, 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 had, we had Olive Garden with unlimited breadsticks. That's all we got right now, y'all. Hey, good breadsticks. Don't get me wrong. But it ain't tiramisu, okay? We got something better coming. We got something better coming. And when we keep our eyes on that, then we can love our enemies. And then we can bless those who curse us. And then we can give to those who hurt us. And then we can turn the other cheek. And then we can live out the teachings of the sermon that Jesus gave us today. Aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. One of the privileges that I have being your pastor, is to preside at funerals. The loved ones today, I've 
had the privilege of being involved with the funerals of our saints we're honoring today. And it's among the highest privileges that I have as a pastor. It's among, among the most sacred trust that I have as a pastor. And in our United Methodist liturgy, there, there, there's a prayer that we pray in the committal service where it says, for all of, and we name the name, who lives within each of us now, we give you thanks. And for their life that lives on through each of us, we give you thanks, O God. See, we list these saints today. And this is a poignant moment because, y'all, they've crossed over to Jordan. (laughs) They've had that veil of flesh let down. They now know God fully, even as God fully knows them. They have heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. They have, cro- they have kept their eye on the ball. They have kept their eye on where they're going. They have looked at heaven. And these saints we honor today, they had earth thrown in too. Because they have taught us. And they have loved us. And they have encouraged us. And they have made us who we are today. There's not a single saint that will be lifted up verbally today or a single saint that remains upon our heart who has not shaped our life for the better. And we give thanks to our God for them. For they aimed at heaven, y'all. They aimed at heaven. And in their aiming at heaven, they had earth thrown in as well. And we're better for that, aren't we, y'all? Our lives are better. Our families are better. Our stories are better. And yes, we grieve for ourselves. But we rejoice that they are with the Lord. So today, friends, what are you aiming at? Where's your eyes at? I love Psalm 121. I lifted my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help it come from the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. May we be like these saints, y'all. May we lift up our eyes to the hills. May we keep our eyes focused on our true and eternal home. May we give thanks to God for what these saints have done for us and how they have shaped and molded us. And may we allow them to live on, not just in God's eternal kingdom, but may they live on through our laughter and through our service and through our goodness. And when we live out the commands of Christ here, may we do it because we know that we got a better home waiting. May we keep our eyes on heaven. And may we find life awaiting us there and life awaiting us now. Let's pray.